We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 522 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. It is a tag deadline day in the NFL. NFL teams have until Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern to apply a franchise and transition tags to players for this offseason. The first team to apply a franchise tag this offseason was our Commanders. They last Tuesday, February 28th, applied a franchise tag to interior defensive lineman Deron Payne. The big franchise tag decisions that we're awaiting have to do with quarterbacks are the New York Giants going to franchise tag Daniel Jones or get a multi-year contract done? Are the Baltimore Ravens going to franchise tag Lamar Jackson or get a multi-year contract? done. We do know (laughs) that our friends, the Dallas Cowboys, have placed a franchise tag on running back Tony Pollard. Uh, That announcement came on Monday afternoon. It was not a shocker, but if you are keeping track, the Cowboys' top two running backs, Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, uh, they, for the 2023 season, are set to count for a combined $26.811 million dollars against the salary cap. Now, that Zeke cap hit could be coming down via some sort of restructuring, but for now, Tony Pollard, $10.091 million salary cap hit for the 2023 season via his franchise tag, and Zeke, a whopping 16.72 million dollar salary cap hit for the 2023 season. Yes, in the year 2023, the Cowboys are poised to be paying nearly $27 million in cap space to two running backs. That, my friends, is what we call suboptimal. Uh, As former Cowboys head coach Jimmy Johnson said many years ago, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Yes, sir. How about them, Cowboys? Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi Podcast. Monday was a wild day in the NFL. A lot of news, including the news that unrestricted free agent quarterback Derek Carr has agreed on a four-year contract with the New Orleans Saints, and the news that the Seattle Seahawks have agreed on a contract extension with quarterback Geno Smith, who was set to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. NFL free agency gets going next week. What about another quarterback? Commander's quarterback, Taylor Heineke. Uh, He is set to be an unrestricted free agent next week. Well, coming up next segment is a special guest. Taylor Heineke is a college head coach, former Old Dominion football head coach, Bobby Wilder. Uh, Now, I've had Coach Wilder on the podcast multiple times. He's always a great guest, knowledgeable, passionate, and plugged in. Uh, Coach Wilder remains very close with Taylor, and at the risk of overhyping my conversation with Coach Wilder, what you are going to hear from him is a brutally honest conversation about what went down between Taylor and Commander's head coach Rod Rivera this past season. Uh, Coach Wilder is not happy about it. Taylor wasn't happy about it. 
And it sure doesn't sound like we should be expecting the commanders to re-sign Taylor. I mean, you never say never, but you certainly are not going to be getting the vibe of Taylor being likely to re-sign with the commanders of what Coach Wilder has to say. And you know what? Maybe Taylor not re-signing with the commanders is for the best. But as I've been saying, I want the commanders to re-sign Taylor. I do want him back on the team. He's a very good QB2 who can do well as a QB1. But once you hear what Coach Wilder has to say, you'll understand why you probably should not be betting on Taylor re-signing with the commanders. Former Old Dominion football head coach Bobby Wilder is coming up next segment. Also on the show, I'm talking Capitals, a uh, rather ugly loss for the Caps late night on Monday night, a 4-2 loss at the Los Angeles Kings in a game in which the Caps got demolished in the puck possession battle. Uh, And I have a proper sounding off on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, aka Masson. Uh, The data is in. Guess which two major league teams are tied for last in most televised spring training games this year? Yes, the Nationals and the Orioles. And I get it. Spring training games, exhibition baseball. Are you really losing sleep if you can't watch every inning of every Nats and O's Grapefruit League game? But that's not the point. You should have the option to watch a good number of Nats and O's exhibition games. And the lack of televised spring training games for the Nats and O's this year is yet another instance of Masson woefully underserving baseball fans in the Washington, D.C. area. A proper sounding off on Masson later in the show. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from John Greaves Third, a.k.a. JG3, <laughs> on something that I said a few weeks ago and on the saga of our commander's co-owner and co-CEO, Dan Snyder, writes John, AG3, good morning. Uh, yes, hello, John. And yes, I am Al Galdi third. I am AG3, uh, continues John, loving your coverage of the team lately, except for a few weeks ago when you said that Bill Belichick is the greatest head coach in NFL history. No, Al, that goes to Joe Gibbs because he's the only head coach in NFL history to prove that he could get to four Super Bowls and win three Super Bowls with three different starting quarterbacks. Belichick has yet to prove that he can win even a playoff game without Tom Brady. So as great as Belichick is, let's slow down with the greatest ever accolades. But I digress. I'm a little confused about these Dan Snyder allegations because if his former minority partners knew that they had real evidence that possibly linked Dan to federal crime, why did those former minority partners go to the trouble of fabricating information with media, arts, entertainment worldwide? M-E-A-W, linking Dan to Jeffrey Epstein. However, all of this financial trouble does indicate not only why Washington hasn't swung for the fences with high-caliber free agent talent, Dan doesn't have money for bonuses, which wouldn't be affected by the salary cap, but also why the team didn't choose a team name favored by the fans. Dan didn't have the money to pay, say, the Arkansas State Red Wolves, much less the Golden State Warriors. Keep up the great work, Al, and a belated congratulations on 500 episodes. Well, thank you very much for that, John. Uh, Great point by John on the team name stuff. Now, I'm not sure that Dan Snyder ever really wanted Red Wolves, but it is widely believed that he did want Warriors. So the idea that he settled for a name and commanders that no other major sports team has because he doesn't have the cash to pay whatever it would take to be able to use a name that a major sports team does have makes sense. Uh, Good question on the former minority owners of the team. So just to reset, the bombshell report from ESPN senior writer Don Van Nata Jr. that came out last Tuesday, February 28th, The crux of that report was a 61-page arbitration petition listing the complaints of Dan Snyder's now former minority partners in ownership of the team, Robert Rothman, Dwight Shar, and Fred Smith. Uh, This petition was filed confidentially with the NFL on June 26, 2020, and was obtained by ESPN. Uh, Who leaked this petition to ESPN to me is significant. I talked about that and a lot more with sports business insider AJ Perez of Front Office Sports on Monday's show. 
episode 521. Anyway, the petition lists all kinds of allegations of impropriety by the Danny. And so John's question is, well, then why did Dwight Shar allegedly, and this is according to Dan Snyder, fund a smear campaign of Dan when Shar could have just used what was in that petition? And I guess the answer is this, because what was in that petition wasn't working. The NFL sided with Dan. Now, it does seem that the NFL has turned on Dan, but the NFL back then was on Dan's side. Per that report from Don Van Nata Jr., uh, the NFL very quietly moved the dispute between Dan and the now former minority owners from arbitration to mediation, which resulted in Dan buying out Rockman, Shaw, and Smith. But that mediation was presided over by NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and Jeff Hash, who is the NFL's executive vice president and general counsel. And both Roger and Jeff, according to this report, expressed zero interest in further exploring this super shady $55 million loan that Dan allegedly took out behind the backs of Rothman, Shaw, and Smith. This was, at least in the minds of Rothman, Shaw, and Smith, a rigged game. And it was rigged in favor of the Danny. So I could see Dwight Shaw at some point deciding to do something like fund a smear campaign. And I could see Fred Smith at some point deciding to hit the Danny where it hurts and have the company that Fred Smith founded, FedEx, put out a statement calling for the Redskins to change their name. Now, I'm not saying that what Dwight Shaw did, allegedly, and what Fred Smith did, and we know that with certainty, were right, okay? But the report by Don Van Nata Jr. did a very good job of explaining the dynamic and the atmosphere of this ownership turmoil for Washington. Uh, and as for Joe Gibbs versus Bill Belichick, look, I will never argue with anyone who wants to heap praise upon the great Joe Gibbs. But even when you factor in Joe as skins head coach winning three Super Bowls with three different starting quarterbacks and Bill winning all six of his Super Bowl titles as New England Patriots head coach with the same starting quarterback, Tom Brady, uh, if you're being objective, Bill had a greater run of success uh, and a lengthier run of success. And Bill's run happened in an era in which a dynasty is so much harder to have. This era of the NFL salary cap and modern free agency. All of Joe Gibbs's great championship success with the Skins happened before the salary cap and before modern free agency in the NFL. All of Bill Belichick's great championship success with the Pats has happened in this era of the salary cap and in this era of modern free agency. Uh, and so the environment in which each guy has done what he has done matters. And Bill's environment, to me, is a lot harder than Joe's environment to have a run of sustained championship success, to have a dynasty. But again, I bow down to Joe Gibbs. I mean, Joe Gibbs is quite possibly the single most important figure in the history of Washington, D.C. area sports. Uh, email from Rich on our commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy writes, Rich, I may have come down with a case of Ashburn syndrome after the press conference, but I think that EB is exactly what this team needs. Why, you ask? EB is a hard ass. Our offense has been soft. There were two plays last season that exemplified this. One was a wide receiver screen to the left side of the field. Dax Milne was supposed to block. He looked like he was wearing concrete boots. The defensive player easily beat Milne and made the quick tackle. There was a running play on which John Bates pulled across the formation from left to right. He was supposed to set the edge on the backside. He looked like he was doing a walkthrough at practice. The defender easily beat Bates to the ball because the defender was the aggressor. Bates is supposed to be our physical blocking tight end. He looked like he'd be more comfortable in ballet shoes than cleats. I get the distinct impression that EB, don't play that. I think that he's too smart to expect Milne to block, and EB will chew out Bates until he gets the play we expect out of him. Over the past 20 years, I've heard an endless array of excuses about how a particular play would have worked if only this guy did that or that guy did this. I think that stops with EB. I'm excited about next season. Uh, thank you for the email, Rich. Uh, that is quite the case of Ashburn syndrome that you have come down with, but I'm with you, man. I'm excited as well. And I'm with you on Eric Bieniemy's demanding nature 
uh, perhaps being exactly what this commander's offense needs. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NFL offseason is heating up. A lot of news around the NFL on Monday. This as the NFL's new league year is coming. Uh, this Monday, March 13th at noon Eastern is the start of what is known as the legal tempering period, uh, which is when NFL teams officially can contact and begin negotiations with the agents of players who are set to be unrestricted free agents come Wednesday, March 15th at 4 p.m. Eastern, which is when the legal tampering period ends and the start of the NFL's new league year begins. And that's when NFL teams officially can sign unrestricted and restricted free agents from other teams and can execute trades. Among those commanders players said to be unrestricted free agents this offseason is quarterback Taylor Heineke. Have we seen Taylor, have we seen Tay-Tay uh, play his last game for Washington? Well, I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast right now, a man who is close to Taylor and knows him very well, former Old Dominion football head coach Bobby Wilder. Uh, Bobby Wilder was ODU's head coach from February 2007 to December 2019. He was Taylor Heineke's college head coach. Uh, Taylor was a quarterback at ODU from 2011 through 2014. It was with Coach Wilder and Taylor that ODU made the transition from the FCS to the FBS beginning with the 2013 season. It was with Coach Wilder that Taylor for the 2012 season won the Walter Payton Award, which is given each year to the most outstanding offensive player in FCS football. You can follow Coach Wilder on Twitter at Coach Wilder 353. Coach, it is great to talk to you again. How are you? Al, I am absolutely living the dream. Great to be back with you talking our favorite subject, the commanders. Absolutely. And boy, <laughs> is there a lot to talk about with our team these days. Uh, before we get to your thoughts on Taylor Heineke, the commanders have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, he is the assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. Uh, what'd you think of the hire? This is a really interesting hire because, as you know, Al, this has been a hot button for the media uh, talking about the enemy and he's not getting hired because he's black and it's been such a uh, such a controversy in the league. And uh, personally, I, I like Eric. Uh, I think he's sharp. I think he's done a good job. If you listen to Patrick Mahomes and guys that have played for him, um, at least reputable guys that have played for him. I know there's there's a couple of guys um, that are a little indifferent about it, but they, they talk glowingly about him. And um, good move, I think, for Eric. Um, needs to get out from underneath that um, um, that cloud that, that kind of hangs over him about, you know, it's really Andy Reid, it's not him. And, um, I mean, what, what better place to go than, than to Washington, where it seems to have been dysfunctional offensively for a number of years? <laughs> uh, number of years is right. You had a very good understanding of and spent plenty of time studying what the commander's previous offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, did, especially given his relationship with Taylor Heineke. Where did Scott go wrong as commander's offensive coordinator, in your opinion? Or was it not so much Scott going wrong as circumstances around him going wrong? Uh, you can really, my, my 32 years of coaching and spending most of my life around quarterbacks, it's, it's really, the answer is really simple. Um, when you're an offensive coordinator, if you have 
a top level quarterback, or you're really sharp. You're a good guy. Um, and when you don't, you're you're fired. That's just that's the life of being an offensive quarterback or being an offensive coach. For example, when I was a head coach at Old Dominion, we had record setting offenses when Taylor Heine was our quarterback and he was winning the the Walter Payton Award, which is the equivalent of the, the Heisman Trophy for FCS. We're averaging 50 points a game, 500 yards. And man, was I really smart. And then my last couple of years, we missed on the quarterbacks and I was out of a job. So Scott Turner's out of a job, not because he doesn't know or understand football. He's out of a job because they missed on, on Dwayne Haskins. God rest his soul. Uh, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Al, I think he was the 15th player selected that year yeah. in the draft. I mean, I mean a, a quality first-round draft pick, and he was clearly a miss at the position. And when you miss at quarterback and you miss in the first round, um, you're just you're just biding your time because now you're going out and you're, and you're signing agent, free agent, veterans at quarterback. Um, you know you're signing somebody like Carson Wentz, who was at one time an MVP caliber player. But that's where Washington is right now, Alan. That's why Scott Turner's out of a job. We call that the quarterback abyss, and uh, Washington has been in that uh, quarterback abyss for many, many years. Uh, All right, Taylor Heineke, he is set to be an unrestricted free agent. NFL free agency gets going next week. Uh, I want the commanders to re-sign Taylor, but I got to tell you, I don't have a great feeling that that's going to happen, either by his choice or the team's choice. Uh, What are you thinking with Taylor? What's going to happen with him in free agency? This is such an unusual situation, Al. I mean, if we go back to the 2020 year, the COVID, he's out of work, he's on his sister's couch, and then all of a sudden COVID hits and you've got this, you know, whatever, $20 billion a year industry, the NFL, that uh, embarrasses itself by having a wide receiver start at quarterback for the Denver Broncos. And if I'm, if I'm correct, Al, I think, I forget the kid's name, goes one for nine for nine yards and just a complete embarrassment to the league. Everybody panics and says, okay, we got to get a quarantine quarterback and scott turner speaks up and says hey we've got a guy who's you know been been in our system knows it they stick taylor in a hotel the next thing we know he's almost beating the eventual super bowl champions in the playoffs so it the reason i bring that up al it's just such a wild ride for taylor he was done he was out of the league so taylor is very much aware of his situation he's grateful to specifically scott that's the guy who uh he'll always be the most grateful to because as you know al that goes back to minnesota then in carolina where he met met ron rivera and then again in washington so it goes back with scott um it really scarred him last year that bothered him al when when he got benched against the number one defense in the league on the road in san francisco after playing a really good first half and then um, then they make the decision to start Carson against Cleveland, which was a disaster. And you've got the whole stadium chanting his name. So here's, here's this guy that three years ago was on his sister's couch, and now the stadium is chanting his name, wanting him in. So um, he's, there's a sense of loyalty from Taylor to the commanders, but there's also a sense of um, that, that, that bothered him. That hurt him. Uh, I was extremely upset about it. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That one really bothered me. I, I didn't think Ron at that point needed to go back to Carson. I felt like we, we'd all seen it. Everybody knew that that was not the same guy. And, you know, Ron rolled the dice and said, hey, maybe it was just the injury. Let me bring him back. Let me put him in. And you and I both know, Al, what that did to the locker room. And as a head coach, that's your number one job. You have to manage and know your locker room. And I think that was the, the biggest mistake Ron could have made. I'm not saying Taylor would have beat Cleveland or they'd gone to the playoffs or any of that because none of us can predict what would have happened. But I think that was a huge mistake by Ron and that really hurt the relationship. Wow, strong stuff. I mean, I don't think that it is an overstatement to say that few decisions in recent Washington history have worked out as poorly as the decision of Commander's head coach Ron Rivera to bench Taylor Haneke in favor of Carson Wentz as a team starting quarterback for what ended up being that hideous 24-10 loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field in Week 17 this past season. Taylor was on the Pat McAfee show uh, on the Thursday before the Super Bowl. So this was February 9th, and he did say that he was open to re-signing with the Commanders, but he also said that he was not a fan of the communication that went down with him getting benched late in the 2022 regular season in favor of Carson. Quote, it was just kind of the communication of how it all went down 
that I wasn't very happy about, end quote. What can you tell us about what exactly Taylor was talking about? Um, well, I, I don't want to get into the specifics of it, Alex. I really don't feel like that's my place to share that private conversation. But um, as you can imagine, when when you're in that position, when you're the starting quarterback of a team, and you've you've led that team to from being, you know, two and four, being out of it to well, we got a shot to get in the playoffs. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they were as high as the sixth seed yeah. at one point. Um, okay, so you're that guy. You've done that. Everybody acknowledges that you've done that. Sure, haven't scored a lot of points, but you've managed the game. Uh, the locker room loves you. The team has really come together when the team was apart. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's just, hey, you know, we're, we're going to go in this direction. We're going to make this move. Um, that's that's a hard pill to swallow. And, and anybody who's listening to this podcast has probably been in a situation in their life where they feel like something at the workplace was not properly handled. And that's that's what I'll leave it at, that what happened at the workplace was not done in a, a professional manner. One of the things that stood out to me as the Commander's 2022 season went on was how Ron Rivera talked about Taylor Heineke while he was the team's starting quarterback. Uh, very lukewarm comments. It felt to me that Ron, as the season went on, was looking for a reason to bench Taylor and go back to Carson Wentz. Did you feel that? I, I did. And, I, and I'm speaking from someone who's been a head coach, who's been in a situation where there's been a controversy around the most important position, which is quarterback. And and quite honestly, I, I don't feel like Ron handled it the way he needed to handle that. Um, I feel like there was some animosity there. I feel like in Ron's mind, uh, Taylor was getting too much credit for the turnaround, and he should have, in my opinion, he should have just rolled with that. He should have just said, hey, really excited with Taylor. He's done a heck of a job. But you and I both know, Al, in the back of his mind, uh, Ron is Ron is upfront taking credit or blame, however you want to put it, for the signing of Carson Wentz and the $29 million contract. So he had that uh, 800-pound gorilla on his back that, wait a minute, you mean to tell me we've got this guy playing good football who two years ago was on his sister's couch and and you went and signed this guy for $29 million and he didn't work out. Everybody saw it. We all saw it with our own eyes that it did not work out with Carson Wentz. And then, then you start to get these innuendos, Al, that, hey, well, we've got this resurgence of the running game and, and Robinson's doing well. And now if we add Carson Wentz to this mix, which Carson didn't have this before, it could turn everything around. I started to read that in the press conference. I started to read it, what Ron was saying, his words, how it was. I knew it was just a matter of time. And, and, and we all felt it, that the first chance he got, he was going to bench Taylor and go back to Carson. And, you know, that the San Francisco game gave him that opportunity. And I thought it was completely unfair because look how every quarterback played this year out against San Francisco. I mean, that's that's where quarterbacks went to die, playing against that defense. And and Taylor hung in there for the most part. And I, I felt like it, it was obvious to me, Al, as the season went on, it was just a matter of time. And Ron was going to pull the trigger once Carson got healthy. It very much felt that way. We're talking Taylor Heineke and Commanders with Taylor's college head coach, former Old Dominion football head coach Bobby Wilder. Much more with Coach Wilder in moments. I'm going to next ask him about what went down in Week 18 this past season, but what should be going down for you is you getting yourself some great Shady Rays sunglasses. Uh, Shady Rays sunglasses, they look good, they feel good. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of Shady Rays sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. And here's a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off 
two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There is no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you've been thinking about getting new sunglasses, now is the time. And Shady Rays is the way. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Also, Shady Rays has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. More now with Bobby Wilder. Uh, So we have the debacle that was Ron Rivera starting Carson Wentz over Taylor Heineke in the loss to the Browns at FedEx Field in week 17. And then we had the week 18 scenario. Taylor essentially telling Ron to start Sam Howell and not Taylor, who Ron initially was going to go with as the commander's starting quarterback, although the idea was to start Taylor and then replace him with Sam at some point in the game. Uh, This, of course, ended up being the 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field. What did you think of all of that? Yeah, that was, and and again, I'll I can't reveal the the private parts of this conversation, but um, what's what's very apparent is at that point there was a there's disconnect there's disconnect between um, between Rivera and and Taylor and I mean for obvious reasons we all start everybody start with our own eyes um, what happened and at that point between Taylor his agent um, the conversations with with Scott Turner. With Ron, it, it became very clear that it was time to to move on, move in a different direction. Um, you know, from Taylor's standpoint, make sure that um, he could end the season, you know, as healthy as possible, um, and not go out and get injured in a meaningless game. When, um, quite frankly, he had no guarantees. There's never been a guarantee, as you won't know, Al, with his contract with the Commanders. Um, you know, he's been basically paycheck to paycheck. They could cut him, release him at any point. And at that point, it was clear there needed to be uh, a separation, if you will, kind of regroup, step back, where now everybody's on on even ground. Taylor's an unrestricted free agent. The commanders can make their choice. He can make his choice and, um, you know, allow everybody to move on. Because we all knew clearly that Carson was done. They were going to cut him. Um, They wanted to see Sam Howell. So it was a matter of, was Taylor going to play one series, two series against the Cowboys in a meaningless game? Well, in Taylor's mind, go ahead, you know, look at Sam, see what you need to see. And, and I'll say this, Al, Taylor really likes Sam Howell. He thinks very highly of him. What he says in the media is not just talk. He shared that with me privately. He thinks he's a, a good person, a hard worker, smart, big arm, thinks he has a bright future. So Taylor was being genuine when he talked about his thoughts on Sam Howell. Very cool to hear that. Uh, It has been nice to hear what Taylor Haneke has had to say about Sam Howell. So netting all of this out, it does not sound like you expect Taylor to re-sign with the commanders. I... My, if I had to guess, I would say that there's a high probability of that. Um, What just changed the narrative is the fact that Scott Turner is no longer there, which that was Taylor's... um, you know, personal relationship, professional relationship, knowing the offense, you've got a new offensive coordinator in. So um, I haven't heard, maybe you have, uh, if, if Eric the enemy has talked about Taylor, said anything about him, but um, it, it will depend on what that relationship would be. I do know that uh, Taylor and his agent, Chris Cabot, want to see what is out there. Um, if you look right now, Al, um, and I study this because I'm, you know, I'm someone that just, loves the quarterback position. It, it, it really comes down to, first and foremost, what's Aaron Rodgers going to do, and then what is Lamar Jackson going to do? Those are your two MVP guys. And then you've got you've got Derek Carr, you've got Geno Smith, who most likely is going to re-sign. Um, you've got Jimmy G, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Teddy Bridgewater, Jacoby Brissett, Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew, Marcus Mariota. You've got some, some named guys out there um, that kind of need to see what's going to happen. And then where does Taylor fit in now in that list? I've heard some guys like Orlovsky on ESPN say he's probably, 
you know, in that eight, nine, ten range, somewhere in there. So when you get past those top guys out, when you get past the the big name guys, Rogers, Jackson, Derek Carr, Geno, Jimmy G, Daniel Jones, those are really to me. Um, those are the top six guys. When you get past them, I think everybody else is kind of what's the fit with the team. So, you know, once we get to that point where the dominoes start to fall, um, then everybody will have a better idea what's going to happen with Taylor. And is he back with the commanders or does he sign somewhere else? You mentioned fans at FedEx Field during that loss to the Browns in Week 17, chanting for Taylor Heineke. You also mentioned his incredible journey, given him being out of the NFL just two and a half years ago. If you took the snapshot of fans at an NFL stadium on New Year's Day 2023, chanting, Heineke, Heineke, and you showed that snapshot to Taylor in, say, November 2020, shortly before he initially signed with Washington. I can only imagine what he would think. What did you think hearing fans chant Taylor Heineke's name given his journey? Yeah, I thought two things came to mind immediately. Yeah, looking at it from my, my head coaching mindset was, number one, um, this is not good for the team right now. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> really good Carson Wentz already has zero confidence and you know, I could, the defensive guys were out there because it was an injury at one of the times trying to quiet the crowd down. Um, so, number one, I'm thinking, boy, this is really not good for the team. And number two, I thought what you thought, like, what an incredible journey to go from a guy who's out of the league and, and is a backup with the St. Louis Battlehawks when COVID hits and, uh, you know, in March of 2020, uh, not even in a starter in a, in a, in a startup league. Uh, and now here he is, uh, the guys the fans want in the stadium and then again through my head coach vision I thought this is this isn't good because Ron Rivera is hearing this and um, you know obviously Ron has in my mind now if I'm making a prediction Ron Rivera has moved on from Taylor Heineke and Ron Rivera is probably had conversations with the general manager and or Daniel Snyder if he's even involved anymore to say look we've got to We've got to move away from him because if they if they make the move to Sam Howell next year and Sam Howell throws a pick on the first drive of the first game, what's the crowd going to do if Taylor's sitting there on the sideline? Um, you and I both know what's going to happen now. They're going to they're going to chant his name again. They're going to want him because he's that lovable guy. He's that he's the backup that yeah maybe he's not a great NFL quarterback, but man we love him. He loves us. He wants to win. He represents the team with pride. He says all the right things in the media. Um, that that's going to be a problem for Ron Rivera and for the commander. So as soon as I heard that Heineke chant, I thought this is probably the end for Taylor in Washington. I hope it isn't because I, I love having him there. <laughs> he's, he's close. I get to see him. It's a team that I, that I root for and want to win, but that that's a really tough pill for Ron Rivera to swallow. And the fact that Ron did not handle this well, um, this quarterback situation all throughout the year. I mean, go back to his quote out before the Bears game. Um, you remember that whole mess? Oh, yeah. When he was talking about quarterbacks in the division? I mean, he got killed nationwide for that. So, it, it, and, and again, I like Ron. He's a likable guy. But if I'm being honest, he completely mismanaged this quarterback situation uh, from the moment he got the head coaching job. He mismanaged it this year. He didn't read the room right. Um, and now, all of a sudden, here's this guy who has gone 12 and 11, and I forget who the, the media personality, the former player, is it Brian Mitchell, who's who's one of the TV guys? Yeah, yeah, he's involved you know? with that. Okay, so you remember seeing the, the quote from Brian Mitchell that, you know, this guy saved your ass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so here's, here, and, and what was significant about that, Al, to me, that's a former player that has very significant off-the-record conversations in the locker room because, you know, Brian's tied in with the players. So you know he talks to the players. You know he has the ear of the players. You know he's probably got some people in the front office that he talks to. And for him to say that, uh, that was incredibly significant for a, for a former player who's tied in to say, this guy saved your ass the last two years and you couldn't wait to bench him. That, that speaks volume, and when I read that quote, I thought, boy, this this probably is not going to end well. Yeah, I used to work with Brian Mitchell. Uh, that is 100% something that he would say, and 
I know that <laughs> BMH is not a big fan of Ron Rivera. Well, you talked about what Taylor Heineke thinks of Sam Howell. You study the quarterback position. I have a lot of respect for your opinion. Uh, what do you think that the commanders might have in Sam? I'm really impressed. I, uh, For me, Al, it always starts up front. If you're going to develop a young quarterback, you have to be good in the offensive line. So they've got to make some significant moves um, because, uh, Al, you saw, you saw how Taylor just got just got the crap kicked out of him in a number of games last year. I mean, there were times he couldn't even hit his fifth step and get the ball out, and he was getting hammered. I look at the San Francisco game. My goodness. Um, so they've got to fix that. Um, they're as good as anybody in the league overall at the skill positions. If you just look at the balance they have, and you can spread the ball around. They can run it. They can throw it. Um, but they, if they fix the offensive line, I think this kid has an opportunity to be a really – good player. The height worries me a little bit, but he's got such a big arm and he's very athletic. Um, and according to Taylor, he's really smart. He's a sharp guy. He picked up the system. He studies it. It's important to him. He's got good relationships in the locker room. Uh, the other guys like him on the team, which is really important. That was something that uh, was hard for Carson to do because Carson's personality was never, um, the guy who fit well in the locker room. That just wasn't his makeup. You know, a family guy, religious guy, just had a hard time communicating, whereas Taylor can work the room. As you know, Al Taylor can go sit with the DBs and, and chop it up and everything's good. He can go hang with the O-line, the D-line. He likes everybody, gets along with everybody. And he said, Sam's the same way. Sam, Sam can work the room and develop those relationships. So I think if they fix the offensive line, um, if the enemy is the guy I think he is, then I think Sam Howell's got a shot to be uh, a very good NFL quarterback. I got one more for you. Taylor Heineke, mobile. Sam Howell, mobile. So many stud quarterbacks in today's NFL mobile. We all saw or at least heard or read about the athletic show that Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson put on this past Saturday at the NFL Scouting Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Are we now at a point in football in which you almost have to have a starting quarterback who is a run threat? that pure pocket passers, while still capable, are becoming obsolete, or do you not necessarily see things that way? I, I do. I think you're I think you're right on with that analogy, Al. I think we're we're moving away from the days of Peyton Manny, Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers. We're we're past that model. Even the guys like Drew Brees, who the, the smaller, shorter quarterback uh, who could process information so fast um, but wasn't mobile and those guys are um, really a, they're a thing of the past now you've got to be more like a Patrick Mahomes who's a phenomenal passer excellent in the pocket but he can move he can get out of trouble so I do think those guys um, uh, those guys are the past and, and Mahomes and these guys are the future. Now, specifically the Anthony Richardson, I don't think he works because I don't think he can process information fast enough. Um, and that's something – you can be a great athlete and you can go put on a show at the Combine, but if you can't get from one, two, three to four quickly in the NFL, it's not going to work because you're, you're going to tuck the ball and, and, and run and you're not going to survive when you do that in the NFL. So, um, yes, mobility critical, but you have to be able to process information that the NFL is just too good and too fast right now to just be athletic at that position. And one of the things that you on this podcast have educated us about is the extent to which Taylor Heineke excels uh, in the Department of Processing. Former Old Dominion football head coach Bobby Wilder, never shy about sharing his opinions. Coach, I very much appreciate your honesty, and I'm sure that a lot of people listening do as well. Thank you. Al, my pleasure, and, and it wouldn't be a bad thing if Taylor came back to the commanders so you and I could continue these conversations. I look forward to the continuation of these conversations regardless. Trust me. Thanks again. You got it, Al. Great talking to you. All right. Strong stuff from Bobby Wilder on Taylor Heineke and the Commanders. And if you want strong growth, 
for your business or practice, advertise on the Al Galdi podcast. We'd love to have you on board. Uh, podcast advertising is very affordable, much more so than radio and television advertising in our current economy. Podcast advertising is the way to go. And podcast advertising works. Email us, see what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Well, the Capitals late night on Monday night concluded a stretch of four consecutive road games, the last three of which were out west. And uh, this game did not go well. Uh, the Caps fell to 31-28-6 with a 4-2 loss at the Los Angeles Kings. The Caps remain one of four teams in the Eastern Conference, each with 68 points and each three points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins for the Eastern Conference's second wildcard spot. But the Caps have played the most regular season games out of these teams, 65. So, the Caps have just 17 games left in this regular season. Time be running out on the Caps to accumulate points to whatever extent the Caps making the Stanley Cup playoffs this season matters, given that the team just engaged in a sell-off and is uh, no longer a win-now team. Uh, not this season, anyway. Uh, this loss for the Caps at the Kings late night on Monday night was a bad loss. Now, it is true that the Kings are a good team. Uh, the Kings now are tied with the Vegas Golden Knights for first in the Pacific Division at 82 points. But boy, did the Caps come out flat, and boy, did the Caps end up getting destroyed in the puck possession battle. The Caps, per natural stat trick, had just 27 five-on-five shot attempts to the Kings' 53, including just Four five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Kings' 19. The Caps totaled just 22 shots on goal to the Kings' 41. And so much of all of this was about the first period. The Caps, in a first period in which neither team scored a goal, had just three shots on goal to the Kings' 19. The Caps, in the first period, looked like a sluggish team playing the final game of a stretch of four consecutive games on the road. Uh, Darcy Kemper was the Caps' starting goaltender. Uh, he stopped 37 of the 40 shots on goal that he faced. Now, normally, you don't love your goaltender giving up three goals, especially uh, with all three goals being even strength goals. But Kemper in this game was like fighting for his life. And he kept the Caps in the game. Kemper, in that hideous first period for the Caps, stopped all 19 of the shots on goal that he faced. The Caps did go 5-5 five five on the penalty kill, and they did go 1-5 on the power play. The Caps now, over their last nine games, are 8-28 of 28 on the power play. The Caps special teams have been good lately. Uh, scoring the Caps power play goal late night on Monday night was winger Alex Ovechkin. Uh, he had a third period power play goal, also had a team high four shots on goal, but Ovi also finished with a game worst time plus minus rating of minus three. The Caps got basically nothing from center of Genny Kuznetsov. No points, just two shots on goal, just two total shot attempts, a game worst time plus minus rating of minus three, and a first period hooking minor. Uh, not good enough from Kuzi, not close to good enough from him. Uh, defenseman Rasmus Sandin did have a goal and an assist. Uh, he had a second period even strength goal for his uh, first goal as a cap, and he had the primary assist on Alex Ovechkin's third period power play goal. Rasmus Sandin did commit a first period holding minor, but he now over two games as a cap has a goal and four assists. Not bad. Uh, the Caps did remain without three defensemen due to injury. John Carlson, Nick Jensen, and Martin Fehervari also remained without forwards Connor Brown and Carl Haglin due to injury. Uh, and the Kings starting goaltender was a former Caps goaltender, Phoenix Copley. Uh, he stopped at 20 of the 22 shots on goal that he faced. Next up for the Caps, home to the New Jersey Devils, Thursday night at 7. All right, one more thing before we call it a show. J.J. Cooper, editor-in-chief for Baseball America, he had a piece that came out on Monday morning compared the number of televised exhibition games for MLB teams this year. Guess which teams came in dead last in terms of number of televised exhibition games this year? Yes, you, you got it. The Washington Nationals and the Baltimore Orioles. Each team this exhibition season has a mere four home television broadcasts. Thank you, Masson. 
For comparison's sake, the Los Angeles Dodgers this exhibition season have 30 home (laughs) television broadcasts. The Chicago Cubs have 29. The Boston Red Sox have 27. Uh, Also, we during Mazin's telecast of the Orioles' 10-7 exhibition win over the Philadelphia Phillies in Sarasota, Florida on Monday afternoon had all kinds of technical problems. Uh, Look, that Mazin is cheap isn't new. That Mazin woefully underserves Nats and O's fans isn't new. But this is never not worth continually highlighting when called for. Masson being run on the extreme cheap and doing something like televising just four exhibition games apiece for the Nats and O's and having such little Nats and O's programming beyond actual regular season games, all of that hurts baseball in the Washington, D.C. area. All of that prevents the growth of baseball in the Washington, D.C. area. All of that hurts the growth of the Nats and Orioles fan bases. Uh, I so hope that the day comes that the Angelos family sells the O's and Masson, and we get new ownership of the O's and Masson, and we get new ownership of the Nats, the Lerner family selling the Nats, and all of this leads to a much better local television situation for the Nats and the O's. Whether you are a Nats fan or an O's fan, the undeniable truth is this, Masson being run on the extreme cheap has done a lot of damage to both teams. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 523, will include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also on Wednesday show, we'll talk Wizards, the Wizard at the lowly Detroit Pistons, Tuesday night at 7. The Pistons are tied with the Houston Rockets for the worst record in the NBA. And on Wednesday show, we'll talk Virginia Tech basketball. The Hokies begin play in the ACC tournament at Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina on Tuesday night. Tech is the number 11 seed. We'll play against number 14 seeded Notre Dame Tuesday night at approximately 7. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Quite honestly, I don't feel like Ron handled this the way he needed to handle that. Um, I feel like there was some animosity there. I feel like in Ron's mind, uh, Taylor was getting too much credit for the turnaround.